we now move into what we call the University of Dallas segment of the Good News Show. And always really delighted to have Dr. Jonathan Sanford join us uh, once a month for this segment. And it's... Uh, the fourth Monday, typically, of the month, and that's what we have now. And he uh, always brings a guest, or last month it was me. Yep, I, I was you, the you were a stellar yeah, guest, Dave. Uh, you really were. I mean, really. Um, and uh, today, uh, I, actually, a, a dear friend who I've known many, many years. I've known him, uh, gosh, uh, going way, way back, uh, Dr. David Upham, Associate Professor and Chair of the Politics Department, and uh, talking about a proper understanding of the principles of American politics wrestling with today's political challenges. What are you talking about? Political challenges today? No, yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, before we bring Dr. Upham in, though, I want to ask you just how things are going, crazy times, trying to get things started in the fall. What Any, any uh, updates on what you guys are going to do at UD? Certainly, yeah. So crazy times, but times uh, like these call for courage. And yeah. we're, we're opening our doors. We've, we've backed up the semester by a week, and we'll finish up by Thanksgiving. Students are, are coming. We have all kinds of uh, safety measures in place. We have to deploy some, some social distancing outside within the classrooms. We're going to need masks. And, and there was a wonderful piece in the Dallas Morning News by one of our professors, Dr. Chad England, who mm-hmm. um, reflected upon the, the kind of norms that we have to have in place for this semester and the importance of learning and still being face-to-face. Yeah. And, and we do really value that. There will be some students who are doing online, but uh, the bulk of our students Students are are fully committed to a, a on ground experience where we can really interact and and wrestle with those those topics that are at the the heart of what we do at the yeah. university. Yeah, well, good for you guys. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, life at some point has got to get back to normal, and I hope it's uh, sooner than later. So I'm glad the University of Dallas <laughs> has made that decision to. Uh, the show goes on, so to speak, it does, and it does. Uh, let's bring in your guest for this segment, Dr. David Upham, Chair of the Politics Department at the University of Dallas. Uh, Dr. Upham, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? Good, good, good to good to have you on the program with us. Uh, you want to take yeah. it away, Dr. Sanford? Certainly, certainly. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Upham. It's it's really a, a delight to have you on the program today. And as as uh, Dave was just saying, um, I thought part of what we could focus on is is the way in which our approach to teaching politics at the University of Dallas provides. Um, I hope I'm not saying this too strongly, uh, an antidote to some of the, the disarray we see in political discourse today and some of the challenges facing us. And, and in particular, I wanted to talk about the uh, um, the core course that we provide all of our undergraduate students, the principles of American politics. Before we turn to that, I, I thought it, it might be of, of some benefit to our listeners to um, hear you describe the terminology we use for politics. So you're the chair of the politics department. Sometimes we hear talk of political science, and uh, sometimes we hear of programs in government. So what what what's behind the name that you use? Um, well, I think we we choose the word politics, which is a term of, of Greek origin, um, in part because um, in our curriculum, uh, primarily for our majors, but, but uh, the whole University of Dallas curriculum. Uh, does not um, does not forget um, the Greeks, mm-hmm. um, and we take very seriously uh, the approach of studying politics uh, inaugurated uh, chiefly by Plato and Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't say political science uh, as much, in part because that term, which is oh, roughly a, a little over a century, a century and a half old, or a century and a quarter old. 
tended to be associated with the idea that uh, the way you study politics is to try to treat it as if it were a quantitative or numerical mm-hmm. um, science. So you, where the, the political things that can be studied are things that you can count and things you can add and subtract. Uh, uh, what, what at the time were called and some still call facts as opposed to, uh, to values, the mm-hmm. fact-value distinction such that uh, values aren't really true or false and are not really interesting to ask questions like, what is justice? Mm-hmm. So we, we use the word politics because the, the Greeks, uh, the Greeks uh, inaugurated the study of politics in this way and, and took very seriously the question, mm-hmm. what is justice? And the answer to that is not something found simply by relying on a calculator. Yes, that is certainly the case. And, you know, talking about the, the Greek approach to, to politics, um, you know, how, how do you how do you see that that uh, fundamental question? What is justice? Or um, um, you know, how I'm thinking of Aristotle at the beginning of of the Politics, where he he talks about what it is to be a human being as being a uh, a being endowed with the ability to speak, and what we speak about are primarily questions of what's just and unjust, what's good, what's evil, what's expedient, and what's inexpedient, and and we we when properly engaged with each other, are striving to build a, a polis, a, um, a, a formal community that is embodying the best life we can live together, right? And, and, and the question of, of politics, it seems to me, is how, how do we live well together or, or the best together we can? How, how can we, in other words, um, uh, construct our social arrangement in such a way that we um, promote the exercise of the virtues. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know how much I can respond to that other than by saying I agree heartily. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, so, um, um, and, I, you know, uh, Maybe one one more one more question, just to introduce you to our, our listeners a little bit. You're not just a um, uh, professor of politics; you're also an attorney, and I know you have a real interest in um, the law, but a greater interest in in teaching and the kind of fruit that comes from that. And, and within your research, you've done some work on the Thirteenth Amendment, and I think you've been particularly focused on on the Fourteenth Amendment lately. And um, could you briefly summarize what what your your Focus has been on the Fourteenth Amendment. Yes, I think it's um, in some the Reconstruction Amendments, uh, the amendments passed after the Civil War, which were designed uh, to not only um, emancipate uh, millions of people from uh, tyrannical bondage, mm-hmm. uh, but also designed to establish um, among the former slaves and former slave owners and the former. Um, North, former South, divided on geographical, racial um, um, lines, tried to establish a uh, a multiracial republic. Mm -hmm. And I think my uh, my research generally goes to to addressing this question. In what way um, was this effort um, Lincolnian, what Abraham Lincoln wanted to do, a new birth of the founders' principles, Mm -hmm. such that the the progress of that time uh, relied upon um, a, a, a new look at and a renewed attachment to uh, the principles of 1776. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you for that. So that that ties in um, at a slightly more specific level, but but um, certainly 
is is at the heart of what the principles of American politics, as I understand it, is striving to imbue in our students. So let's let's talk about that course a little bit, um, and um, I, I want to focus on it because we we have elevated it to a, a position of real significance at the university. Every every one of our students takes this course as part of their core curriculum. Why? Um, I can give you a longer answer, um, and, and, and I will. Please feel free to stop me midway through, because I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. uh, a great deal um, over the last couple of days in anticipation of this, uh, of this interview. Um, at first glance, it might seem strange that one would require young people, especially at a university um, that is founded on the Catholic Church and therefore founded on Jesus Christ, to spend so much time thinking about the kingdom of this world, and in particular, the obviously ugly and low things that politics engenders. Um, politics is not um, uh, the beatific vision. It's not God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not pure beauty. <laughs> uh, it's certainly not pure justice. Uh, it's something that decent people, uh, especially Christian people, frequently disdain, mm-hmm. and for good reason. And so you would say, why would you ask um a follower of Jesus Christ to study this um, this dunghill. It's just not worth looking at. Uh, I think the reason probably goes go as follows. First, why study politics? Well, politics does engender lots of passions, and some of those are passions for justice. Some of those are competitions for honors, and the honor of what sort? The the reputation for being good or noble or virtuous. People want to be known, many people like to be liked, and they like to be liked for the best things, that is, they have great soul, and politics is an occasion for people to do this. And so what politics does is that some of the most talented people in the, in the world devote themselves to politics, mm-hmm. and often, or I should say not infrequently, produce some extraordinarily beautiful or noble things, either words or deeds, mm-hmm. that um, although they are not um, the highest sort, they are certainly worthy of attention, and which is why um, the study of literature, fine literature, and, and and great history often focus on these sort of high moments of human achievement or action. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be in the Shakespearean tragedies like King Lear, whether that be in in various histories that tend to produce, you know, focus on great people. So politics is ugly, but politics can be quite interesting and extremely noble and beautiful. In, in sort of fleeting moments. If, if, if I could, pause, now, if, 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 if I could ask you to pause just for just for a second. So I sure. I, I agree entirely. I mean, when 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 one one studies politics, one is engaged with reflecting upon those great moments, and and we want to to glean um, an appreciation of what the human spirit can indeed achieve, particularly in concert with others who are directed towards this. This end, and um, I, I, I don't think you're suggesting that though the end of the political order is lower than the end of the um, order of the eternal city. Nonetheless, um, there's um, it, you're, not, you're not suggesting that that somehow it's it's degraded because of that, right? So it's it's a good and proper end in and of itself. And so uh, my my. My question, if, if you don't mind pausing for a second, um, and then we'll, we'll get back on track and answering the, the broader question is, 
the ugliness that you were talking about is is that a necess- necessary feature of the the kind of engagement in um, the work of the political realm, or is that um, unnecessary and, and due to some um, features that lie outside of politics proper? Um, I would say, relying somewhat vaguely on St. Thomas Aquinas, that it is not necessary uh, to politics because even without the fall, there would be a political order. Mm-hmm. But it would be a political order that would not require, for example, the brutality of, of force, of coercion mm-hmm. against human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, however, a necessary element among fallen men. Mm-hmm. Um, human beings are not necessary, but just virtually inevitable, not necessary in the sense that there's um, unavoidable uh, because all sin is avoidable, but because sin abounds and corruption abounds, um, there's going to be um, there's going to be ugliness involved in these competitions mm-hmm. uh, for competing claims of justice and also comp- competing efforts by human beings uh, to uh, achieve earthly honors uh, and, and power. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it's. It's it's necessary in the sense that it is it is extremely likely to be encountered, mm-hmm. uh, and in many instances, in fact, maybe most instances, some of the noblest work of politics involves um, uh, involves fighting <laughs> uh, greater forms of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good. No, that's that, that's uh, helpful. I hope that answers you. your question. It does. It does. And 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 in terms of the pursuit of honors, you know, I, I think sometimes. Um, People of, of faith can feel as though there's there's something flawed about uh, pursuing honor, but Aquinas is a great example of of somebody who holds up, for instance, the the virtue of magnanimity as um, having to do with honors, and insofar as one is virtuous in pursuit of honors, one recognizes that that having an established place, doing something great and grand, striving to do great things, is in fact fully compatible with the virtue of humility. He thinks of them as as sister virtues. But but I I I, I think sometimes because of the corruption it's um, that can find its way into the political realm and, and at times um, uh, quite um, um, profoundly and and um, extensively, uh, we tend to uh, ignore that there there is a proper role for the pursuit of honor. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. All of the all of the goods, the subordinate goods uh, to seeing the face of God and live have have a place in the in the divine order, mm-hmm. and even the pursuit of money as an instrumental good necessary for the for the higher things is. Um, is worthy of pursuit, mm-hmm. saying that why are you going to job to get to get money for my family is is fitting and proper. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yes, there, there is a tendency um, because of how, how how radical the gospel is in 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 reminding us that these things are all subordinate mm-hmm. um, uh, in in ways that human beings sometimes forget. Um, often, Christians I think will uh, confuse. Um, uh, subordination with abomination mm-hmm. um, and feel uncomfortable thinking about or even talking about uh, the place of these these lesser goods mm-hmm. um, in 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 following Jesus Christ mm-hmm. great well th- thank you for that um, so let's 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 get back to the the importance of of studying the principles of American politics what, what 
um, and, and if you could include maybe some reflection on, on the content of this course, what, what does it mean to study the principles of American politics? We, we call the class Principles of American Politics, which is, a, um, which is descriptive, first principle in the sense of first things. Uh, and for our department, although we disagree on many things, all of our colleagues, all of my colleagues believe that in order to understand American political life, it's important to uh, begin with the deliberate um, articulated reasons and thoughts uh, that uh, were put forth at the time of the founding. Uh, found in such notable documents, Declaration of Independence, uh, the Federal Constitution, and other things, state constitutions and, and other founding documents, mm-hmm. that it's important to understand those things. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do, um, and we spend, most of us spend uh, at least half a semester in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Why spend so much time there? Um, first, their uh, influence. Um, they, uh, the, the ideas that are under, that are reflected in the Declaration and the Constitution continue to have an enormous impact upon uh, political life in the United States and, in fact, around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, second, those thoughts and ideas are, in many respects, sufficiently remote mm-hmm. from our contemporary partisan divisions that it's easier to look at them and assess them to appreciate them, um, their value, their beauty, their honor, their their their, their honorableness, um, without having sort of blinding political passions mm-hmm. uh, getting in the way, um, because there isn't any Federalist Party mm-hmm. uh, anymore. Um, there there isn't um, um, so many of the controversies at that time are not ours, which makes it easier to think about to talk about them. Even though they have indirectly deep influence on our controversies, that that that's um, a that is a an excellent point. So, um, so could you explain how they can have that profound impact on our our contemporary controversies? Right. So, on the one hand, we you remove the student from the the heatedness of contemporary political discourse and and party sloganism. They wrestle with these principles. How does that how does that prepare them for exercising responsible citizenship within the contemporary melee? Um, it prepares them because it allows them to see that politics can be thought of and discussed in a way that doesn't um, quickly lead to um, person, interpersonal conflict or deep distrust or discomfort. Um, and let me just illustrate it a different way. If this were 1800, um, I don't think a university should have a class, that, a required class that does this, because it's too, 1800 is too close to the conflicts and the controversies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it allows for uh, a break from the partisan noise to see that there are peaceful and um, there are occasions for peaceful and moderate discussion, both among the, the fellow citizens, their fellow students in the classroom. But also, if we spend some time, say, with uh, the Federalist Papers or spend some time with the Constitutional Convention, we see um, evidence of an extremely high level of, of human discourse mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is remarkably free uh, from profanity, um, remarkably free from um, interpersonal threats among outside of the context of war. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it is, yeah, it's, it's, so it's you're, you're, you're naming, naming some of the ills, to, some of the ills of our, of our social media, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. discourse and, and indeed. So, um, Dave is giving me signals like I've got to wrap this up. <laughs> I feel like we're just getting started. And, um, you know, uh, one, one last question for you, uh, Dr. Upham, when, when, um, you know, we're, we're forming our students according to these these deeper principles, principles that ought to guide them, and then they're let loose, so to speak, in a culture in which most people have not been shaped, unfortunately, by the principles of American politics, have not had this kind of formation. What what becomes their task um, in in um, contributing to cultural renewal? How do you how do you see the work of our students on the other end of their education? I think I would hope that University of Dallas students, the vast majority of whom are uh, American citizens um, and, and will remain American citizens as long as there is an American citizenship to be had, <laughs> um, I think they have um, – I would hope that they would have a certain liberal education, that is to say liberation from um, blinding passions. At the same time, a certain sympathy with fellow human beings, because the study of politics is the study also of history of blinding passions, um, that they could be of greater service to their to their neighbors and in their country mm-hmm. uh, by providing by word uh, uh, an example, uh, teaching a mode of approaching uh, one another that is more that is more sane, is more decent, uh, and also being more effective in understanding um, um, and understanding why that. The, that human beings, fallen human beings, find politics very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, they themselves might have a little bit more facility in doing it um, with, with, again, kindness and justice to their fellow citizens who have not been as privileged as they've been. Excellent. Um, well, um, I'm, I'm getting the cutoff look from, from, from <laughs> Dave again. <laughs> Dr. Upham, you've, you've been excellent. Thank you so much for your, your time. And, um, well, thank you, Dr. Reflection. Stanford. And, and thank you, Dave. Good to, good to talk to you again. Yeah, interesting conversation. Thanks so much, Dr. David Upham, the chair of the politics department. Uh, interesting. I didn't realize that political science is no longer really, uh, that there was a distinction in that. So that I learned uh, something there for sure. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, th- thank you, Dr. Sanford, for coming in. And again, UD is starting up here in a few weeks, uh, a week late, but uh, classes are in session. Go to udallas.edu and learn more about the university.